Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. The volume. Just a reminder, you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is a new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store and make sure you follow me at John Middlecoff to get notified when I go live. What is going on, my people? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. Just watched Dan Campbell and the Lions get a convincing win against the Packers. Now they are in the driver's seat. So we will dive into some things with the Lions. Dan Campbell, Meathead or good coach. Jared Goff, resurrecting his career. The Packers. Jordan Love's a fascinating one. I mean, he can make a throw that you're like, damn. And he can also make plays that you're like, is that Justin Fields? So we, we will talk about him as well as the Bills, Lamar Jackson, uh, Josh McDaniels. Is he ever going to win anything? And Lincoln Riley's got a big game against a guy named Deion Sanders. Come Saturday, big noon kickoff. Very excited for that one. Caleb Williams, Shador Sanders. I'm sure there's going to be some points scored in that bad boy. As well as Stucky. Stucky from the Action Network will join us. Talk gambling. He's hot. He's winning a lot of picks. I'm going to start giving my pick every week. Last week I started with Seattle. To beat Carolina, they covered six points. This week, I will give my pick. I have to allocate my resources because I'm just going all in on one game. And it's going to be my favorite game of the week, and that's the way we'll do it as well as Stucky's picks and what he thinks of the Colorado-USC line, which is big like last week. The difference is the Buffs are a 21-point dog, but they're at home this week. Last week, they were in Eugene. We'll see if they can bounce back. If you listen on Collins' feed, make sure you subscribe to 3 and Out feed. We're also on YouTube. Check us out on social media. And yeah, let's just go talk some ball. Before we dive in to this matchup that we just witnessed, can I tell you about, I, I saw some people that have, I always see on Instagram, people going to Lambeau for the first time, people going to like Fenway Park or Wrigley Field for the first time. I've been to none of those three, though I would love to go. And if you ever want to do something like that, obviously baseball season's over, but go to Lambeau, go to LSU, go to an incredible venue and watch a football game. You want to go to the Red River rivalry, Texas, Oklahoma. Both teams haven't lost. 
Well, do it on me. Grab your smartphone, download the GameTime app, and when you do, the official ticketing app of this podcast, use the promo code John. That's my name, J-O-H-N, J-O-H-N, and get $20 off your first pair of tickets. Very easy to use, has interactive maps that are, are priced out as you're looking, even shows you the view of a field of the concert stage, also concerts and comedy shows. So just download the Game Time app, fastest growing ticketing app in America, promo code John, $20 off, can't beat it. Highly recommend it. I use it. You should too. A lot of you have. Keep hammering that promo code. Let's start with those Lions. The Dan Campbell Lions. Let's face it, they look good. They're three and one uh, through the first, technically, it's not actually the quarter of the season now that we got 17 games, but let's just consider it. They've beaten the Chiefs and they've beaten the Packers on the road, twice on national television. Those are two big time wins. I don't care if Taylor Swift's boyfriend's injured on the sideline or tonight the Packers are dealing with a ton of injuries. That's impressive wins, especially tonight. I mean, they showed up ready to kick the shit out of the Packers. And I wrote down a couple things. <clears throat> First and foremost, you don't need to be an NFL GM, an NFL scout, an NFL coach to see the talent the Lions possess. They have stud impact players everywhere. And let's be honest, at the most important positions, tackle, defensive end, this tight end looks like he has the chance to be a star, multiple wide receivers, multiple running backs, other good D linemen, good young linebackers, secondary, question mark. But they're going to play in a game where they're going to control from the line of scrimmage, especially running the ball. So they're going to shorten the game. They're not trying to get in some contest where Jared Goff throws it 55 times a game. But their talent, their drafting these last several years is really impressive. And I never understood the freak out on draft night. How could you take a running back? It's like, well, they just didn't take a running back like the Falcons, which to me made no sense. It's like, you already got running backs. You need other positions. They parlayed six into 12, which also gave them pick 34 in a draft that was terrible. And they took Gibbs, who... I think it's going to be a really good player, the running back from Alabama. They also got the tight end from Iowa, who I'm not saying he's George Kittle or TJ Hawkinson, but he sure looks to be in that mold. And they're featuring him tonight. So they not only got a running back who can catch the ball and a very versatile player, but they got a tight end that looks like, and I'm not trying to overreact to four games, but he's got a chance to be a stalwart on this team for years to come. So this team is drafted well. They have prioritized the right things. They, I would say, got lucky a little bit in the draft last year with Hutchinson. That's a draft pick when Balky took the Georgia pass rusher. Think he'd like a redo on that one? He would. Uh, this Lions team is really, really talented. So, obviously the NFL is not college football. Just because you have a really talented team, you're not guaranteed to make the playoffs or to win 11, 12 games. But we've all watched the Lions enough now. At minimum, you've watched them twice. They're pretty good, man. They really are. And Dan Campbell took a lot of shit because everyone's like, oh, what's up with this meathead? And yeah, he you know, probably chews a log every other day, uh, slams beers, lists to Metallica, and says some stuff that gets aggregated on social media that's kind of funny. And some other coaches may not say. But let's face it. The guy played in the NFL for a long time. His biggest proponents as coaches were Bill Parcells and Sean Payton. 
And watching this team play this last year, right, they started slow, ended up making a run, ended Rodgers' career with the Packers, and then coming out this season when they kind of had a bullseye on them. And let's face it, I would say in any industry, it's always easier to be the hunter. It's always easier to be when no one's paying attention and you can just, you know, make some make some ground when no one's looking, gain a little market share. It's a lot harder when everyone's kind of looking at you. And I'm not acting like they're the Bills, the Chiefs, or the 49ers, but no one's overlooking the Lions this year. People take them seriously on a weekly basis. I'll promise you that, right? They just have too much talent. Their season went well last year. They carried it in. They're just too good at too many positions. So teams take them seriously, and they're responding. Last week, they beat the shit out of the Falcons. This week, beside a couple drives from Jordan Love, they worked the Packers. I mean, they showed up in Lambeau, and listen, he doesn't call offense. He obviously doesn't call defense. But he clearly is a huge part of helping to pick these players, of putting this team together, and motivating this group that plays their ass off. And let's be real, they're, they're missing a couple pieces, especially a big one. They drafted Jamison Williams you know, a couple years ago. Last year he had the ACL, so he didn't play till the end of the season. Then he can't help but make a parlay that probably didn't cash and missed six games this year. You add him to the multiple receivers they already have, multiple running backs, that offensive line, I don't see how that you can't take this offense and put it near the top of the league when, it, when the dust settles. And they also have an offense that's going to translate. I know this, like the 49ers round two, I'm not saying they'd be scared of the Lions, that they wouldn't be favored against the Lions, but that's not an easy game. I think this team's talent, when you look at the rest of the NFC, is like has some similarities maybe a year or two ago to some of the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the 49ers. Now, I don't think they could beat one of those teams in a playoff game, but it wouldn't be the most shocking thing. They have a lot of things that translate to playoff football. The other thing is, now San Francisco, and because Dallas plays in a dome, and Levi Stadium, I mean, it could be a 75-degree day in the middle of January. But if they did have to go on the road to Philly, and it was an ugly environment, like they can really run the ball, and their defensive line, and playing the run, they're good at that. So, And led by Dan Campbell, who, let's face it, you do reflect your head coach in football. And he's a tough guy. He's an intense guy. And when I watch the Lions, I see that. Right? What, what have the Harbaugh brothers always had? That neither of them call plays. They're both CEO, tough, crazy motherfuckers. And when you watch their teams play, for the most part, over the last decade and a half, it reflects them. And when you watch the Lions play the second half of last year and the first, half of, or the first four games of this year, you see a lot of Dan Campbell. And last but not least, Jared Goff. I was talking to a buddy in the NFL the other day about scouting quarterbacks and what to look for, and he's like, there's such big lines of delineation. The top guys, once they get rolling, can kind of overcome anything. A a guy slipping on a route, uh, a drop pass, getting sacked, guys getting injured, bad play calls, they, they just can overcome it mentally, physically. They can always move on to the next play. They're unfazed. They can make plays out of nothing. They can just carry you. And then there's like this next group who cannot do it nearly at that level. If, if the Mahomes and the Josh Allens and the Lamars and the Herberts can bail you out a majority of the time, this next group, you'd probably have to cut that percentage in half. But they're still pretty darn good, and you can win a lot of games with them. The Dax, the Cousins. You know, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is not any good anymore, but what he was with San Francisco, 
Derek Carr for you know bits and pieces of his career. And I think Jared Goff is in that. When things are going pretty well and you have a good team around him, you can win a lot of games with this guy. Is he perfect? No. Not a great athlete. Doesn't give you much movement. But if you can block for him, the Lions can. Dude can sling it. If you can get open for him, he can get you the ball. Obviously, that's happening. If you can run the ball, he's a pretty good quarterback to have. And I I think Jared Goff, I think the Lions deserve a lot of credit. Because when that trade was made for Stafford, it was like, damn, you guys want Jared Goff? And the one thing Brad Holmes said, and I remember this back then, and they've obviously reiterated that all the way till today, is they didn't view Jared Goff as just some throw-in. They wanted him to be their quarterback. They thought he had a lot of football left. And this is the thing about being in you know player personnel, is just when a lot of people, and listen, sometimes when the entire league and all the fans think this guy stinks, whoever that player may be, they're correct. But sometimes they're not. And that guy still has good football left in him. I've talked about this before. A huge part of any of our lives are have people professionally believe in us. A boss, a mentor, a partner, someone to do business with, whoever. You need proponents professionally. You need people who think you are good, who believe in what you're doing. And let's face it, Sean McVay turned on the guy. Hard, publicly. It was actually pretty ugly. Sean McVay has gone as far as basically apologize for some of the things he did. Now, Jared Goff was not playing well, but he clearly wasn't just some shot fighter. He wasn't just some scrub. Because you've watched him the second half of last season, really a lot of last season, and definitely this year. Like He just looks like a solid quarterback. Is he going to beat the 49ers or the Eagles come mid-January? Probably not. But it's a big deal if the Lions, I don't know, just win this division. Look at their schedule. They got 12 wins written all over them. You go 12 wins, like that'd be a really, really big muscle flex for Jared Goff, the Lions organization, Dan Campbell. Uh, hat tip to them because a lot of people thought that they couldn't live up to the hype. Not me. I picked them. And I, I just bet on the talent. I, I really did. And I, I think it's showing when you watch them play. Now let's go to the other team, the Green Bay Packers. Start with the quarterback. Uh, Jordan Love is a little Jekyll and a little Hyde. Because when he comes out in the third quarter, he looks like a brand new quarterback. Moving around, throwing dimes, throwing bombs. You really see the talent. Like, it's clear. Jordan Love, like, we've seen a lot of scrubs play in the NFL the last several years, right? Guys that are just not going to be quarterbacks as a starter in the NFL for long. Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, like Trey Lance is never starting. Uh, we've seen a lot of guys... Josh Rosen had a little cup of coffee. He's out. They just cannot play in the NFL. That is not Jordan Love. But I do think he kind of leaves you scratching your head. Because back-to-back weeks in the first half. Well, what's going on in the first half? Teams have game plans. Teams are ready. Teams know what you like and don't like to do in terms of they've schemed it up. right? It's very like we're expecting or have a decent idea of what you're going to do. The Saints did last year or last week, and he looked atrocious. And I've gone in kind of wanting to like this guy. I was like, I saw some stuff week one. I was like, I'm interested. Maybe Jordan Love's a little better than I thought. And then you watch the first half of these games, and you go, and listen, Aiden Hutchinson looks like Reggie White out there, and their offensive line's getting shoved around. But he also is making some throws that go, that's not even close. And then in the second half, both teams have leads. Obviously, the Saints were up 17-0 in the fourth quarter. Maybe they just 
you know, pull their foot off the pedal a little bit. Obviously, the Lions come out. Everyone's backed up a little bit. They don't want to give up any big plays. And he just starts slinging it around. And then he kind of gains some confidence, gains some mojo, and he looks pretty good. But to me, to for me to consider him like a good player, he's going to have to start doing this in the first halves. He, he can't just... I don't care who you are in the NFL, you can't get down big and expect to come back. You have to start the game fast. You have to lead some legitimate drives early in the game when they know what's coming. That's what makes you a legitimate starter. So I would say right now, um, you know, he clearly does not stink. He clearly is not just like, that was a terrible pick. But I I think we got to be hesitant to say the Packers have something. He's, He's a work in progress. Rightfully so. I mean, he's young player, hasn't really played. This is only, what, his fifth start of his NFL career. But they, they have to figure out, because the only way he can sustain, like the Packers are going to feel good about him being the starter for a while, is is he can handle when the game plan, when the other team knows what's coming. Because that's, that's what makes you a viable player. And I, I think this was my entire take coming into the season. To go from Favre to Rodgers, and to just expect a good starter the law of averages are just not on your side. The history of this position, the unlikelihood, and the Packers historically are one of the great personnel departments in the league. They know what they're doing. They know what they're looking for. And it's just, I, I just bet against it. And I, if I had to bet right now, is this guy their starter in three years or is this guy not their starter in three years? I would probably bet no. That's where I'd put my money. Now, I'd also say, like, I don't view this guy like I do some of those other quarterbacks I listed. But he does leave you scratching your head. He really does. And if I'm the Lions, I don't know if I'm losing much sleep as long as the Packers have him. Now, the Packers, they have been terrible. Special teams has killed them for years. Remember in the playoff game against the Niners a couple years ago? The difference, block, punt, touchdown, ball game. Right? Tonight, they're in position, making this comeback a little like last week. It's like, God, is this deja vu? And Quay Walker, who also I'm pretty sure got in trouble, was it week 17 last year against the Pack or the Lions in this game? Kind of a boneheaded mistake. Pretty clear that's not allowed anymore, even though he didn't touch the ball. Like I, I I'm not a stickler for that rule, but it just feels like special teams defensively, they're just always leaving a little something to be desired. Uh, I don't know. I I would look at the Packers right now and think, I don't know if they're a playoff team. Right, because if the Lions win this division, you got the Niners, Seattle, the Cowboys, the Eagles. You know that seven spot is definitely up for grabs. Someone's got to win it in the South, but I, I I don't know if I see it in the in the Packers. But who knows? Maybe in the NFC, if, if you can get close to you know nine wins, if you got eight eight wins going in the last game of the season, and you got a chance to get to nine and eight. Maybe, maybe that gets you the seven seed. But if I'm a Packer fan, taking some pride. In last week's win. Tonight, though, was beside those couple drives in the third quarter, Dan Campbell kind of worked us, and that's not something we're used to. Okay, let's hit on a couple other games. Um, after week one happened, it was hard not to just go, listen, not going to write Josh Allen off and just say this guy's no longer going to be good. You'd be stupid saying that, but that was a very embarrassing performance, and he admitted as such. But it was like, is this guy just going to be this reckless player now? Is this guy going to be a post-Holmgren Brett Favre and just compete to lead the league in interceptions? And are the Bills in some trouble this year, right? Sean McDermott takes back the play calling. And then all of a sudden, the last couple weeks, the Bills got their swag back. 
and they demolish their opponents. And now they're playing the Dolphins, who are kind of the talk of the town. Everyone's anointing them, wants to hand them basically the AFC championship, and just calling McDaniel, Tua, the receivers, just the toast of the town. And I think this is a big moment for the Bills, because they're going, wait, wait, wait. We've won this division three straight years. We've been one of the league's power. You guys have made the playoffs once during that time as a seven seed, and we beat you in the playoffs. That was a little close for our liking. But this division comes through us. And to me, once they get their swag back, which they did the last couple weeks, this to me is a moment for Josh Allen, who he's got a little work to do, but like you throw three or four touchdowns, you beat this Miami team by 10-plus points, that's how you kind of start your MVP discussion, right? His numbers, if you remove the first game, are pretty good throwing dimes, running the ball. He looks awesome, right? You do this against this team, it's one thing to do it against the Commanders. It's another thing to do it against the Raiders. You beat the Miami Dolphins, it's like, okay, week one doesn't mean shit. In Buffalo, no excuse to not kind of have a little muscle flex. And this is why we watch sports. The highest paid players, the most talented players at home who have proven more than this Miami team, specifically the other quarterback, and this is also kind of a moment for him to be like, Let, let's pump down the Tua talk a little bit. I, I'm still the big dog around here. And I'm really excited to watch Josh Allen this week take on a defense that, let's face it, has a good defensive coordinator, but doesn't have that much talent. And is a defense that he should slice and dice. And on the flip side, his coach, who took over the defensive coordinator position, pretty big moment for Sean McDermott. Because let's face it, and I know Colin's a little guilty of this, but he's not alone. A lot of people we're a little down on Buffalo coming into this season. You know, Sean McDermott, defensive head coach, what can he really do with the offense? Can he corral Josh Allen? And now Sean McDermott, these last couple weeks, has really been like, I got one of the best defenses in the league right now. We're getting pressure left and right. No one can score on us. We can dominate. Well, let's see what you can do against Tua. Because here's what I know against Tua. If you do not hit him, and you just give him time, and he doesn't even need that much time, he's getting rid of the ball fast. But if you do not touch him, you're going to be in trouble. I don't care if, you know, you're going to need like Deion Sanders and Revis in their prime to cover these wide receivers, and you don't have that. But if you can get pressure and if you can hit him, it's a different ballgame. And that's happened in the past, and he hasn't looked the same. So to me, Josh Allen and Sean McDermott, like this is a big moment for them to just not just show the Dolphins, but just kind of, hey, hey guys, remember, we've won this division the last three years. We're, we're the team that... If our defense somehow doesn't give up 48 yards in two plays to Kelsey and Tyree Kill, we're in the AFC Championship game. Now, we did get our ass kicked last year by the Bengals, but we feel we've rallied the troops and we got as good, good a chance as anybody to be right back in the AFC Championship game. We feel we're better than the Miami Dolphins. You got to do it. And I can't wait to watch this game, right? McDaniel, all those guys, they've earned it. You score 70 points. I don't give a shit if you're playing... Cal Poly or UC Davis and you're an NFL team. That's impressive. But that's not real football. That's It's not going to look like that most games. right? It's going to look like the Patriot game, honestly. That game was a lot closer than you know you actually think it was when you were watching it. You're like, how's this game? Hey, they still got a chance? You can play defense against these guys, which is not easy, especially the motions, the shifts. He's moving these guys. It looks like Canadian football out there. Two guys running three 940s. But I'm fascinated to watch Josh Allen this weekend. Another guy that I'm just interested to see is 
For about 12 months, Lamar Jackson's contract was one of the biggest stories in the NFL, and rightfully so. It's like he had won an MVP. He had resurrected the the Ravens. They were at odds over the money, all these different angles of it, like his mom's representing him. Should he take the money? They offered him enough money. They didn't actually offer him enough money. Who fucking knows? But actually, who cares? Because now he's under an enormous contract. And I think he's looked, beside a couple moments last week uh, against Indy, he's looked pretty good. He really has. I mean, he's looked closer to his MVP self. Now, he's got 7 million injuries on his team. I mean, the entire team's injured. And I think this is the type of moment that you pay a guy like this a lot of money for. It's like, yeah, we got all these injuries. We're playing this awesome defense. We're on the road against a divisional opponent. And Lamar Jackson just finds a way to win it. This is why you pay this guy all this money, right? It's for this moment. It's one thing like, the Bills beat the Dolphins. Like, yeah, we've been beating the Dolphins. It's not even that crazy. It's another thing when half your starters are out, and, and it's all on you. We pay you to almost overachieve. And I'm fascinated to watch Lamar Jackson against this defense. Reading some quotes from Jim Schwartz. Obviously, their team speed on defense, their physicality. This is just a fantastic matchup. This is just one of the more dynamic quarterbacks we've ever seen from an athletic standpoint, who's also good at football against a defense that through the first three weeks, you know, looks like the steel curtain right now. So if I'm the Ravens, I go, listen, this is on Lamar to just find a way. It's not about stats. It's not about throwing three or four touchdowns or running for 150 yards. It's just willing our team somehow to a 17 to 15 victory. Just finding a way to get us to beat a divisional opponent. Because all of a sudden we lose this game. You look up, you're like, we might have some issues. You know, we we got a bunch of injuries. We're not guaranteed to win anything. This is why we pay you all this money. So, and this is why Lamar Jackson wanted all this money. He's a star, and great players sometimes can overcome adversity around them. Bad play calling, injuries, and I'm fascinated to see if Lamar can do it. Another couple guys I'm fascinated to see what happens is the Chargers and the Raiders. Now, the Raiders their home in Vegas constantly turns into an away game, right? They play the Steelers, it's like 70% Steeler fans. They play the 49ers, it's like 80% Niner fans. They'll play the Chiefs, it'll be a lot of Chiefs fans. I'd say the Denver fans would travel, but who's traveling to watch this Bronco team? When they play a lot of big brands, their fans are going to pack Vegas. The one place Vegas is going to have a true home game is going to be in Los Angeles. Now listen, Staley, I'm done... I scratching my head over his crazy fourth down calls. I said it last or earlier in this week, and I will continue to say that he's been doing that since the beginning. For those of us that follow this league and follow him closely, we red flagged him early on in this first year for doing stuff like this because it was never working, and he was constantly doing it. He didn't just start last week. That is his MO. But if you lose to the Raiders, like I... I, it's hard for me to predict Dean Spanos. I do think if he started 0-3, they would have left him in Minnesota. Maybe it's on the table if he loses this game. But I actually think the Chargers probably win. Because I think the Raiders are in shambles. If you follow just people on social media, maybe you've seen around the NFL and people that tweet different stats. Tyree Wilson, the guy the Raiders drafted, number 7 overall. They passed on Jalen Carter. Which I don't think is totally crazy. Uh, but Jalen Carter with Max Crosby probably looked like a pretty good duo. Wilson's been objectively a god-awful player. I mean, just terrible. He was one of those swing-for-the-fences 
that right now the ball is in the catcher's mitt. It's like, uh, we got problems. And the Raiders, they always feel like in this position of they're not making any progress. And I, I followed this team very closely for over a decade. And it just, every time they take a step forward or two steps forward, it feels like they take seven steps back. And if they lose against the Chargers in front of home fans, they will be getting booed if it's not looking good. The Jimmy Garoppolo signing, and I have a lot of respect for Jimmy. I think what he did with the 49ers, dude was a tough dude. He, he, he really was. Limitations as a player, but a guy, if your team was elite, you know, you'd go to war with the guy. He looks like a shell of himself. He just doesn't look very good. And you can give me, you know, different schemes, relearning an offense, coming from Shan- Regardless, just pointing and throwing picks to the other team, like, that, that's Justin Fields, Zach Wilson level stuff. Not a guy who's been a starting quarterback and made $125 million in the league. It's pretty embarrassing. When I watch the Raiders, I think, how long can this continue? How long can you be in a city full of stars, bright lights, and entertainment and just constantly suck. And Gruden was on that 10-year, $100 million contract. He was a made guy unless something like what happened happened. He was not going to get fired regardless what happened for years. I don't know about Josh McDaniels. I think sometimes you know it right away. right? Maybe I overhyped Brian Dable. Last year was impressive. I truly believe that. His team wasn't that talented, and he willed them the nine wins. Coaching, grit, tenacity. They, they did not have, to me, they were like 80% coaching, 20% talent. Now this year, maybe they're terrible. Maybe they lose on Monday Night Football. Maybe they're just not that good. And maybe we anointed Dayball too fast. The thing is, Josh, we saw him. Then he went away and just became a coordinator again. But the hype machine, you know, that's the key in the football. Hype machine, hype machine. Use your national reporters. Have Dan Pompey write this article, how you do a journal. And then it's like, well, I think Josh has figured it out. I bought into it. I was like, God, I'd hire the guy. And then you watch him and you go, this guy's just terrible at his job. I, I don't think he's a good head coach. Now, he's not doing, well, I, you could argue Brandon Staley last week kicking the field goal. Sometimes these guys get in these positions, like, what are you doing? How does this make any sense? Now, it's easy for all of us sitting on the couch, eating a bag of Doritos with a Coke Zero in our hand, or Guinness, or Guinness in our hand, watching the game. And thinking, what it's harder on the sideline. But still, some of these decisions are so egregious. The other thing is the way you build your team. Like, you were the one that brought in Chandler Jones, who was just off the reservation on social media, who you refused to allow around the team. Because clearly, I don't know, something weird's going on. And I, I just wonder how long you can keep rolling. It's always easy to say for a fan base, Like, hey, man, just suck this year for the coach and then try to get Caleb Williams or Drake May. But if I'm an owner and that guy sucks to get me Drake May or Caleb Williams, there's going to be many months where I sit there, either in my suite watching the game or during the week in all my big homes and whatever rich people sit and hang out at and think about how much my coach sucks. And now all these guys have the money to write, here's $30 million leave. Because if I think you suck... I can't keep you around. Like Brandon Staley, he's not going to be the coach in 2024. That's that's a fact. There, I, there is no chance on God's green earth Brandon Staley is the Chargers head coach next year. But the Josh McDaniels thing is kind of fascinating. Like, how's this thing going to go? Because I also had the same thought about Belichick and the Patriots. It's like, I like the Cowboys a lot this weekend. And let's say the Cowboys 
cover the six and a half, and win the game, you know, 30 to 13, and just kind of dominate them. It's like, I, I was talking to someone about it that that knows Bill, who's been around him back in the day, and, and I said, do you think Bill could ever get fired? He's like, no chance. And I'm like, I don't think he gets fired like a Brandon Staley would get fired, or a Jim Tom Sula or Freddie Kitchens gets fired, but Bill Belichick's never going to be like, you know what, Robert, I've just lost my fastball. I don't think I can coach this team at a high level anymore. Just let's have a let's have a hug. We'll make public statements. You give me a golden parachute, and I'll just go. I guess I can't go with Cougar Linda anymore because we're broken up. I'll just go find a new girlfriend, hang out in Nantucket, and kick it. That's never going to happen. The only way it's like, hey, I don't think it's working out anymore. Like we've seen it, we've done it. It's kind of over. And if they're staring at a six-win team last year, they win. You know, you start trending the wrong way year after year. There's no hope either, right? That's the thing with the Raiders. Like, where's your hope? It's like, well, we got Devontae Adams. Well, yeah, he's killing it every game and you're losing. Max Crosby, killing it every game and you're losing. Belichick, you don't even have, like, sweet impact players. Where are we going? What are we going to do? How would we upgrade a quarterback? I don't see it. So I don't think – I think Belichick's one of the best coaches. If He's the best football coach I've ever seen. And he's one of the all-time greats in any sport. But things come to an end, you know? Things eventually end. The rubber meets the road, especially as you age. I mean, the guy's in his early 70s, and he's stubborn as ever. So you start losing these games, which he should. He's a huge underdog. But all of a sudden, you look up, and you're like, God, they're 2-6? and six? I, I, I do think it's on the table this year with the Patriots. And, and last but not least, I like this guy. I've met him a couple times. Back in the day before this podcast came to the volume, he came on. He's clearly impressive and... um earned a $100 million contract to come to USC, and people love the guy because he's an offensive innovator. But a lot of people just think, like, this USC team, like, playoff contender. I I, I don't see it. I, I don't see anything on defense. There's not a physicality about them. There's not a grit to them. Like I, I like about eight teams in college football better. Now, they're clearly better than Colorado, right? No one even objectively thinks... USC and Colorado rosters are even close. But like USC, like Arizona State last week was a game going into the second half, in the middle of the second half. Because when you're not a tough team and defense isn't a priority, I don't care if you have Caleb Williams throwing to Randy Moss, Barry Sanders, and Terrell Owens. You still are going to give up points. You're going to look up and it's going to be 50 to 38. It's like, God, what is going on? That is not a recipe to win in the playoffs, and definitely a national championship. If the USC is real, I don't think they are. To me, I, I view them as like a 10-2 and two team. Some people view them like, I, I don't even think they'll be in the Pac-12 championship game, and I definitely don't think they're a playoff team given the way this defense is playing. And especially if they play like I think they're going to play on Saturday, I don't expect to change my opinion. But, like, this is the type of game, what, just, what did Dan Lanning do? And I know they were hosting the game. They came out and they shoved Colorado around. It's not about Caleb Williams throwing a million touchdowns. I know he can do that. I know you're going to score points. Can you shove this team around? Everyone's going to be watching. You know, it's going to be 10 plus million people like the NFL. Jay-Z's coming. LeBron and Bronny are coming. Will Ferrell, Snoop Dogg. It's going to be a, a spectacle. But can you just show up and beat the shit out of them like Oregon did and kind of flex your muscles and show? Now, I don't think that's going to happen. But to me, Lincoln eventually needs to start doing that. Or I don't think he can beat Oregon, Washington, and Utah. Or, you know, he maybe he'll win one of three of those games. 
there's a toughness to football. You see it with the Lions? What's a big point of difference for the Lions? They're really tough. They're really physical. It's kind of what the Packers lack. And honestly, they've lacked it for a long time. If you gave Aaron Rodgers some of those like tough grittiness that the Steelers have, that the 49ers have, that the Ravens have had over the years, maybe they want some more playoff games, right? I think the Eagles have it now. They just lack it. And when you lack toughness at the highest level of Division I football, and obviously in the NFL, it catches up to you because there's a physicality element to the sport. As the year goes on, the weather changes. Even if you play in Southern California, you're still going to end up in some inclement weathers, whether it be in Washington or Utah. You got to be tough. And, and I just don't see it. Like, I, I understand why Colorado's not that tough. They don't have the players. But USC, you, you, you've bought half the country the last couple years. You got all these transfers this offseason from the SEC. Like, can you please show up? Let's do the Guinness Bold Take of the Week. And this is hard because it's like you, you got to be pretty aggressive. But it's like, I don't want to say something I totally don't believe. Like, the Cardinals are going to beat the 49ers. You know, I, when I said Alabama last week was going to lose to Ole Miss, I believed that. And I talked to someone that scouts the SEC. He's like, they, Ole Miss laid an egg. Like, they, they should be able to win that game. So I didn't even feel that bad. I like my bold take. Because my bold take of the week, brought to you by Guinness, is Sean Payton, the $90 million coach. Sometimes I hear he's like, he signed a 10-year, $100 million contract. No, he signed a five-year, $90 million contract. Think like an NBA player. He's getting paid a premium. He's going to Chicago, who everyone's been making fun, ton of memes out there this week. is like, this game should be played at like 3 a.m. Send this game internationally. Agree, funny. I kind of want to p- keep an eye on this thing because I like the Bears to beat Sean Payton. And if you think last week was bad, and trust me, it was. Losing 70-20. to 20, But at least you can say, hey, this is the most innovative offense in the league. All this firepower. One of the bright young minds. You lost. 70. Something we'll never forget. But at least it was to the best offense in the league. You lose to the Chicago Bears, who are objectively like you're equal, like just as bad as you, yet you're favored in this game by several points because you got Russell Wilson and they got Justin Fields, who will not be a starting quarterback in the NFL in 2024. I think I think Eberflus, or as I used to call him, Uberflus, breaks the streak, 13 straight games, and beats. I, I don't see how you come back. Because the other thing is like, well, you got to show some character, come out swinging after your big loss. Bears had the same thing. I mean, you're basically, you know that Spider-Man meme where everyone they're looking at each other, same person? I think that's this. Like, what the hell is the difference? I'm taking the Bears at home in just an all-time Sean Payton's 0-4 in his last two losses, Bears and losing by 50. That is my bold take of the week, brought to you by Guinness. Gather your friends, raise your glasses, and toast to a win. Guinness Drought Stout, imported by Diageo Beer Company, USA, New York, New York. Please drink responsibly. We're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action. With great offers every single game day, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with the code John, J-O-H-N. 
new customers can bet $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. With code JOHN, J-O-H-N, the crown is yours. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, see dkng.co slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Yokohama Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Yokohama test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Live here on AMP, football wasn't that long ago. We were begging for it to be here. Now we're already in NFL week four. College feels like we're in week eight. And I got my man Stucky from the Action Network, Big Bets on Campus, who is red hot right now. NFL pick seven and four. 
if I wanted to count, which I think is just a, the pick that no one saw coming beside the smart guys behind the scenes, the Florida-Tennessee college game, which he fucking hit with ease. Stucky's hot. Stucky, what's up, bro? What's going on, brother? Yeah, it's uh, we're in the midst of it now. Uh, it's uh, We're going to start to learn about – although some of these things we're not going to learn about at the, the, at the top. We're not going to learn about for a while, but in college um, – like Michigan doesn't play, still doesn't play anyone for like the next five weeks because the Big Ten is so bad at the bottom, and Georgia really doesn't play anyone all year. But learn a little bit about them against Auburn this week, and uh, yeah, NFL. We got some pretty good matchups this weekend. Unfortunately, the NFL doesn't flex games this early because Bills Dolphins over Zach Wilson in prime time would uh, would certainly be the move. Shows you in college has much more flexibility with that. As the season goes, the NFL, and I don't blame them, right? Rodgers versus the Chiefs, but clearly that changes four plays in, and it's like you're kind of stuck. And the yep. Dolphins are, you know, one of the teams of the last, I mean, I don't remember any team starting this fast that people thought they were going to be good, but you win a, you score 70 points, and, you know, they got the quirky coach, and they got, they, they kind of feel like the Golden State Warriors in like 2015 or something. You're like, Jesus, what the hell are you going to do with this team? But they're, they're, they're the underdog this weekend. We'll get into the NFL here in a second. And I'm going to do something a little different uh, to start before we get to your picks. But I did want to touch on, because we talked about this before we hit record here. I don't know if you've seen the list of celebrities coming to this game in Colorado. It's like Jay-Z, LeBron and Bronny, probably Obama. I mean, who knows? I mean, everyone's coming. Legitimately. Jay-Z and LeBron are going. Obviously, T.O., I think, is on the staff or something. He's always around. Shannon Sharp, Stephen A. probably make a cameo. This game is big noon kickoff. The ratings have been outrageous. Uh, Colorado got their ass kicked last week. They took it on the chin. Pretty embarrassing, I thought, moment for them once the Oregon video comes out of them talking shit to the other players. Like, guys, you guys you guys aren't Dion, right? Let's just be careful here. And they ran into a buzzsaw, which a team that you know, I think has a legitimate chance to be a playoff team in Oregon. USC, in theory, does, but defensively, they, they are not as physical as Oregon. But offensively, they are elite. I mean, they got a guy that's going to get drafted number one. They got skill guys everywhere. Honestly, it's kind of like the team times five of TCU style, right? Just going to score a bunch of points. We'll give up a bunch. I mean, I, I didn't watch the game, but I went to the ASU game two weeks ago against Fresno State, and Fresno State beat the shit out of them. And then I'm following the score on my phone at this wedding. It's like, what is USC doing? USC is not some, for every time they beat Stanford 49-3 to going into halftime, you can look up and it can be tied because their defense sucks. So huge line here, Colorado getting 21-plus points at home. Uh, that feels like a lot, man, for a team that's, you know, US, Lincoln Riley's history, especially this last year and however many games at USC, their, their defense is just not good. I don't care how many transfers come from the SEC. Yeah, it's the, it's basically just Oklahoma picked up and moved uh, out in Los Angeles. It's the same defensive coordinator with the same problems that they just refused to fix. And the offense is elite. There's weapons everywhere. You have a Heisman quarterback. It's all the same shit that we saw at Oklahoma. And ultimately, what ends up happening is the defense burns them because you run into another elite team that can score and you just can't get any stops and uh, they can. So, yeah, this number does seem – I mean, look, as you said, Fresno State shut out Arizona State. Arizona State was shut out at home for the first time since 1988. 
they had eight turnovers. I think they used eleven quarterbacks. Um, I don't know how many they used, but they used a lot they of used, quarterbacks. They used three. No- they used three. Yeah. Who did who did nothing? And then it's like 35 28 because the USC defense just isn't that good. And you can you can move the ball on them. And look, Colorado is flawed. Um their offensive line is not that great. They can't run the ball at all. The defense is thin. And, uh, you know, th- you're also missing Hunter, who's important on both sides of the ball. But Sanders is playing at such a high level that, you know, he, they, they should be able to put up points against this USC team. And then if it's a blowout, like USC blowing you out, like if it's 56-28 in the four, like you can go down and score a touchdown and still cover uh, in a complete blowout. So, yeah, I was all over Oregon last week. The one thing that concerns me, though, you say, you know, like, but this week I, I'm not laying 21 and a half with USC and that defense on the road. But every week, I think it's good for like building the program and drawing attention to it for you know potential future transfer additions. Um, but every week for Colorado is this huge spectacle, and like it's every it's so emotional in this big event that it's got to be exhausting for the kids. Um, you know, you a lot of these other programs that they're they're now they're going to start playing the top teams in the Pac-12. You know, like they're beating the shit out of, you know, Cupcake State in week two, and they're not exerting much energy. Colorado is exerting energy every single week. And then you're bringing all these, you're talking shit, and then you're bringing all these celebrities in, like kind of. A lot lot going on. A lot going on. Yeah. And you're trying to, and and that serves as motivation for these other teams to want to beat the shit out of you. And when, like, in theory, USC going to Colorado. If there wasn't all this hoopla around Colorado, like that's supposed to be like a sleepy, trappy spot for USC and their defense, but they're they're going to come in fully focused. Well, but, to yeah, me, many, I think it's a little too many points with this USC day. Of all the weeks Dan Lanning will have over the last last year and this year of getting ready for good teams, Washington, USC, Utah, that's like serious football week. But he'll never have a week when he's that favored by that much. That's as easy to like. Get the troops ready all week, so you're get yeah. you're always getting these squads. Now, to me, it's a little different than USC. The other thing with USC is because Fox, right, their biggest game of the week ratings wise is always that 9 a.m. for us on the West Coast kickoff, and Colorado's now been a rating juggernaut. They love putting that game there, and they did it earlier with Nebraska, and obviously they're doing it this week. Not ideal for USC. Yeah, nine a.m. body body clock kick. Yeah, that's that is. It's listen, twelve thirty. These once you get to college, you get used to playing that time. You'd rather probably play four, but not that's a that's a sneaky spot that I could see USC. I don't know. I could just see it being weird. I you know Caleb maybe just a little dreary. You know. Yeah, and Co- and Colorado's done it already this exactly. year. Exactly. Right? Played it in that time, and they just got their ass kicked. So they're gonna be have just motivation yeah. to like play better you know it's yeah. an easy and the, the the place will be electric so if they can catch usc and that defense which isn't that great they can catch them early and jump out then all of a sudden like all the pressure shifts to usc the crowd is going to be crazy you might get a couple calls um and then all of a sudden it gets really interesting so yeah that's a great point the very early on in this game if colorado is going to be live um to make this a game, they got to get out to a fast start. Okay, one thing I wanted to do, because people have been asking, like, Middlecoff, you never make a pick. And usually, I used to just bet a lot of games. I, I got this big remodel going on, so I got to be 
I, I got to be careful with my cash. What I've been doing is just going kind of big. And a hundred dollars on a game doesn't get my rocks off. So I, yeah. I don't. I got if I'm going to spread it around, I'm just been going big on one game. Last week I did Seattle, sweated it for a minute, but the, you know they covered. This week I, I've gone back and forth on two games. Uh, I, did I, you bet Notre Dame last week too? Did you bet I, Notre I, I Dame? Did, I, I didn't because I wasn't going to be able to watch it. But mm-hmm. and I just I felt better. I don't know enough about college football in terms of like those two teams. I hadn't really watched Sam Hartman. He had been beating nobodies. I liked the number, but I, I just I didn't know. I, I felt better about Seattle against Carolina, who I knew sucked, especially once Dalton was going to go. Even though it was tough, but they scored thirty-seven points, which was crazy because Carolina's defense actually pretty good. So this week. I, I'm tempted. Like, I got two games circled, obviously the Sunday night game, but you go, that that's one of those classic, like, feels too big of a lock, right? Kansas City, you're going to kill them, and then all of a sudden you're just in a weird game. But, like, Zach Wilt, that defense is playing really good, but I just stayed away from that. I, I just don't think New England's that good. Uh, I, I think their offense is, I, I think Mac Jones is average as the day is long. I don't think they're that talented. Their running game is a shell of what it was a couple years ago when they made the playoffs and they could run down people's throats. You know, defensively, clearly they can just make the game ugly. I don't think they have like elite talent. They've been banged up on that unit. Everyone, because Dallas kind of lays an egg in Arizona, is going to be like, oh, Dallas is actually average. Dallas minus six and a half at home. Like, I I view New England, and listen, it's no disrespect to Bill. I do think he is an awesome coach and. Most teams, if you gave them this roster, would probably win like three games. He's going to win probably six or seven. But they're still a six or seven win team. And to me, Dallas is still, on a given week when they're playing right, a top, probably should be a top five team. And last week, they lose one of their best players. Those guys are, I wonder if that rattled them a little bit. I'm going Dallas minus six and a half. And these are back-to-back weeks now going all in on a team, a home team, given a decent amount of points, but... I just don't think New England's that good. And if I rank Dallas like fifth, I'd rank New England closer to like low 20s. That's where I'm going. Yeah, I don't hate it. It's a good bounce back spot for Dallas. I think Dallas just got looked at some injuries on the offensive line. They lose digs. And I also think that they just went in there and completely overlooked Arizona. They were terrible in the red zone too. I mean, they moved the ball. Yeah, they were in the red zone like six times and didn't score anything. But you saw this with the Giants, even the Giants after their loss. Like they got down 28 nothing to Arizona. So I think a lot of these teams... I think it's going to work in San Fran's favor, San Francisco's favor this week because, you know, they they just saw Arizona beat Dallas, right? But I think a lot of these teams knew how bad this roster was and just assumed like it's going to be a free win. And then, you know, you're, these are still professionals playing hard. So I think Dallas has kind of got caught in a sleepy spot. Yeah, I agree. I agree with your assessment on Mac Jones. But the Patriots, they're, they're just a, they're a weird team to me because they did play Philly really tough and they played Miami really tough. So like. They can ugly up a game, and yeah, yeah the, the the run game isn't what it was, but that's Dallas's weakness, their run defense. I mean, Arizona ran for over 200 against them. So, yeah, I can see I can see New England, you know, just ugling this up enough to stay within the number, but I agree. I think I think now that this spread, the look at line was minus seven and a half. Now, because Dallas lost, um, who cares if New England beat Zach Wilson? They basically just scored and then said we're good and punted the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah. Um. The but da- because Dallas lost to Arizona, you're now getting under a touchdown in a good bounce back spot at home. Uh. So yeah, I think from a you know market buy low, sell high perspective, I, I think Dallas is the spot. But uh, I would be just a bit concerned about New England ugling up this game enough. But uh, I think it's Dallas or nothing. 
Yeah, philosophically, I, I used to gamble a lot on overs in the NBA. And then I got a little too deep into it. I started doing unders as well. I, I just, and definitely in the NFL, I, I'm just not a big under guy, but that might be the play here, right? I yeah. mean, this this game could just be low scoring, Cowboys win. That's the one thing that makes me nervous. But, you know, it's football. I mean, last last week I was like, oh, fuck, Carolina ain't scoring more than 13 points. All of a sudden you look up, you're like, what the hell is going on? Uh, so yeah. it makes gambling, so let's make the sweat fun. Okay, let's dive in. Uh, the Jags, who are headed overseas now for a couple straight weeks, are playing Atlanta, who, is it safe to say, got their ass kicked last week by the Lions? Yep. So the Jags have looked pretty terrible. And I saw Doug Peterson, I, I don't know if screamed at like his offensive staff last halftime, but I, I think they had some words. Uh, clearly they got worked, which I would say was one of the shockers of the week in terms just for the casual fan. Like, are the Jags not good? And offensively, like one of the things I thought their their formula was going to be a, an elite offense and be bad on defense, but be, you know, like a top five, six offense in the league, and they have not been very good on offense so far. I don't like Atlanta, never have, never really will, uh, but definitely not this team with Desmond Ritter. Uh, I know you like the Jags minus three. Give us a give us a sales pitch here. Yeah, look the the Jags have not been good this year, um, but they're off back to back losses. I think this is a spot to buy them. They're going to a place that they're really familiar with, Atlanta. You know, second straight road game going overseas. Not as familiar there. And if you look at what Atlanta's done so far, like you beat a rookie quarterback, you were trailing in the second half, who has not looked good at all in the opener. You beat Green Bay by one. They were missing like half of their their best players. Kind of a weird win, too. I mean, Green Bay should have won that game, I thought. I yep. watched a lot yep. of it. Yeah, even without you know a number of key players. And and then you get drilled by a Detroit team that was dealing with a lot of injuries. And just the offense is not where you know I thought it could be. They have a lot of different chess pieces. And it's just they're just hamstrung because their quarterback can't throw the ball. So just on the surface, this is Trevor Lawrence versus Desmond Ritter. Uh, I'm going to side with Trevor Lawrence, even though he hasn't looked great this year. But, you know, he's that's some something we've seen with Trevor Lawrence throughout his career so far, just inconsistency, right? He, he, he will have these stretches where he looks like the best quarterback in the NFL, and then you're saying, what's going on here? I think this is a good defense to face to kind of get back on track. And most importantly, and look, the Jacksonville last week, they got they lost by 20, but they, you know, they got a, a white fullback returning a kick for a touchdown, um, which was insane. Uh, the up man re- returns it. You, they had Shout a block field goal. Um, yeah, they they but they actually outgained. It wasn't as bad as it looked. But Lawrence has definitely been off. The defense isn't great. The secondary is awful, but they're really good against the run. Uh, the, the defensive coordinator is a Todd Bowles disciple. Todd Bowles defenses just by design are always good against the run. And this defense last year excellent against the run, bad against the pass. Same thing this year. Top two, or top top three, I should say, in rush success rate, EPA per rush allowed. You could throw on them, but you can't run on them. Well, what does Atlanta want to do? They're basically a service academy in the NFL. They can't throw the ball. They just want to run. So they're not going to be able to do that here. You can see Jacksonville probably bring another safety down, force Ritter to beat them. I don't think he can. Uh, so I think this is a good bounce back spot for the Jags. Jags also been a bit unlucky. They're like 28% on third downs. That's like Zach Wilson territory. Last year they were top 10 in the league. Um, and you know, they're one of seven, I think on fourth downs last year, they were at 53, 54%. So some of these late down variants and, you know, special teams blunders, um, have, have gone against them. That's just randomness. 
But I think this is a good bounce back spot and a good matchup, most importantly. So you get the better quarterback, you get a good matchup for their defense uh, and uh, in a place that they're familiar with. So I think three is a, a good number to lay here. This the look at line was like four and a half, five. Um, so now because of the you know back-to-back losses, Jags not looking great last week, you're getting three. And I, I disagree with that big of a move, especially because it's not like Atlanta has impressed me. Okay, Cleveland, Baltimore. You fall. I got a DM the other day from a Ravens fan. I do this mailbag thing, and he's like, "Listen, I've been watching the Ravens forever. What's up with these injuries? Like, wh- why for years now are just guys dropping like flies constantly? It's just..." And I said, "Listen, it's football. You've seen it with the Eagles, the Forty ers a couple years ago. Sometimes it's just kind of dumb luck. Now, when injured guys keep getting injured, then it's kind of on you for keeping the player. But like, I, I don't know what else to say besides it's football. Guys get injured." Yeah, the, a lot of Ravens guys wanted to blame Steve Saunders, the strength and conditioning coach. He got fired. That wasn't the wasn't the problem. I think. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's just bad, just bad luck. I mean, the one of the reasons why I really like the 49ers this year, because because you have to ask yourself, like, is there some systemic issue with how they're recovering, treating, training when like because the 49ers have been in the top 10 in adjusted games loss on offense and defense for like eight years. So at one point you're like, all right, how can this, this keep happening? Uh, but what if the 49ers ever got good injury luck for an entire season? Um, how dangerous would they actually be? Yeah. And the Ravens are going on like three straight years now where it is just horrendous injury. If you're down seven, eight key starters already. Um, and look, yeah, I like the Browns here in this game. This is similar to last week. Like I, I took the Browns. I faded the Ra- my, that's my team, the Ravens. They just have two. I don't think the market's adjusting for how many injuries they have. I mean, you're miss, you're missing your top corner. You have injuries at safety. You've, you've lost your slot corner. Depth pieces in the secondary. They don't have a pass rush anymore because Owe Ajabo are hurt. You, you've already lost Dobbins. You have other injuries at running back. You know Beckham wasn't practicing. You have injuries at wide receiver. Offensive lineman might come back this week, but they still might be hobbled, might not go. I, I mean, it, it's a, that's a lot of starters missing. Meanwhile, the Browns, you, know, you lost Chubb, but other than that, they're pretty healthy. And this defense, uh, I think, might be the best in the NFL. They are dominating right now. I loved them coming into the year because last year they just had these communication issues. Just get a get a new, a, a new defense coordinator can fix that low-hanging fruit. They added bulk in the interior to fix the run defense. You bring in Juan Thornhill to add to the safety group. Already have three really good corners. You have Miles Garrett playing out of his mind, defensive player of the year level. Last week, he just destroyed, destroyed Tennessee to the point where Rabel just was shaking his head and they were just punting, punting to get out of town at the end of that game. Uh, this defense is dominating right now. They're playing with so, like, so much swagger and confidence that I've only seen from like the most dominant defenses over the past 20 years. And Lamar is still learning this new offense under pressure this season he's 32 out of 34 quarterbacks quarterback rating and he should be under pressure a lot here and look yeah there's no chubb but the browns still should be able to run the ball a bit but last week you saw watson finally have a really good game passing 27 of 33 300 yards and that was attacking a tennessee secondary that's dealing with some injuries a bit more vulnerable than the run day same thing here so i think that he can hit enough deep shots this browns defense is playing so well to put it in the perspective the browns Success rate allowed on defense is 25%. The next best is the Bills at 38%. What's considered success? Uh, so, like, if you gain, you know, if you score on a play, you know, if you were to gain, you know, 
four yards on first down, if you convert gotcha. a third down. Um, so people use different tweaks of uh, different formats, but it's basically that. Like, are you getting, you know, uh, you're having a successful first down play, then that would great success. Or you're having a su- successful second down play. Third down is always that you convert to third down. Um, and then if you score a touchdown, obviously that's successful. 25%. Next is 38. Last year, the defense that led the NFL was 39.5%. They're at 25. Teams have had 39 drives against them. One has gotten into the red zone. It was last week on a miraculous fourth and four bomb that Tannehill just threw up. They didn't even score in that possession because Miles Garrett sacked Tannehill within a second. And time, even though Tannehill was probably instructed to throw the ball away, he just couldn't even have time to throw it away. Time ran out in the half and Tennessee ran into the locker room because they didn't have any timeouts. Uh, I mean, look, this team should be 3-0. They gave up two fluky uh, defensive touchdowns to Pittsburgh. Defense playing on another level. Um, Ravens, too many injuries. So, yeah, I think Browns get this done. I actually, look, it could be low-scoring, division game. So I actually played, instead of laying the points, I actually did play money line. I parlayed the money line with the 49ers money line, which I think is safe, and that gets you even money because um, this could be a really low-scoring game. I feel a little bit more comfortable with the money line uh, on Cleveland if someone wants to take that route as well. But I, I also like them if you can get – you know, two and a half up to minus 115. Well, to me, something to keep an eye on, and I've heard some people talking about it this week. I, I didn't watch that much of the game, though. I mean, I, I know about the their talent up front, and obviously the corners are sweet. If this defense is, like, legitimately the number one defense in the league, all Deshaun has to be is operate like yeah. – he doesn't Average. need to be Mahomes. He just needs to be more Dakish, Jimmy Garoppolo-ish. Jimmy G, you know? yeah. And we're, are we looking at a 12-13 win team? Because if I can't score on you, fuck, I – Guys have to score 13, 14 points a game. I mean, they're they're going to overwhelm people, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is the AFC, so it's still uh, tough. Like, you know, it's gonna there's gonna be some tough games. In the AFC North, you're always gonna be in these absolute wars. Uh they play the 40 they, they play the 49ers this year. They play at Seattle. I mean, they're gonna have some tough non-conference games because the that division plays the NFC East. Yeah. But they I mean, excuse me, this, the NFC West. Yeah, the I will say that the schedule is kind of working out for them because you got um, you you got to win over Cincy. Um, you got to win over Cincy in Week One when Burrow was yeah, banged up. up, and then you're going to get the Ravens here, who are dealing with a lot of injuries, and they get the 49ers, but that's after a bye week. Um, so you get a bye week before that game, which is definitely going to help. Well, you and you know, you know, who, you know who the Niners play next week Sunday night, Dallas Cowboys. So that that's going yep. they're going to come off a war, so they're going to be banged up. Someone will yep. get hurt in that game. Yeah. So and then after that, you know, you got Colts, Seahawks, Cardinals. Um, so yeah, they play, the, uh, they play the, the Broncos this year. They get the Bears. They get Tech. I mean, they got. How's this team? If this defense just maintains this, not a playoff team. Yeah, they should be. They they should be a playoff team, especially because if you look at the Jets, the Jets are done. They were supposed to be in the conversation. Um, you know, the Chargers are charging. Um, they were supposed to be in the conversation. So, you know, you look around and you say, well, it looks like it's just going to be the Chiefs from that division. And you got the Bills and the Dolphins, right? And then um, you know, you're, you're, the AFC North, you're – definitely going to get two teams and with but with barrel looks like i think it uh it's gonna be the browns and then i think the ravens probably um but i think the browns are certainly a playoff team i think they're actually gonna win the division 
But you're right. He doesn't have to be great. Now, no. losing Chubb is going to hurt, like, in some of those games where it's like a – An ugly – battle. Yeah, and you can just – he could just churn out those yards. Um, but, yeah, last year he was bad, um, which you can't have. He just has to be average if, if this defense is going to be as elite as it looks, and I, I think it can be. Yeah, to me, the only wild card would be, like, if they lose a weird – like, the pressure's on him, right? Because you know Miles yeah. and the defense are going to be fine. It, you you saw it on the Monday night game. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? So it's like they play in a couple bright lights game like against the 49ers, and he looks like shit, and they lose 17-13, to 13, that pressure on him. But, God, I mean, I didn't – I mean, we knew how good Miles is. Sometimes when you have a guy like that, like a Miles, like a Micah Parsons, a Bosa, everyone else, like even their random rotational guys get this, like, fake swag that turns into real swag, and they yeah. – all of a sudden you look up like, wait, this guy had seven sacks on the season? It's just – because defensive linemen all rotate together. Miles Garrett could be playing with the seventh defensive line. You know, it's not like a normal position that way. So, yeah, I, I might have underestimated them for sure. And then probably yeah, – I, I just I just looked real quick. I, I only have them an underdog, projected underdog, in three more games this year. Uh, none by more than a field goal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're, and they're only going to face like a couple more teams. San Fran – you think they'll be? Maybe, will, they, maybe. will they be favored? Assuming, let's say, the Niners beat the Cowboys, would that would that be like a pick 'em? You think? If, if San Fran, San Fran, maybe San Fran minus one um, pick. I bet San Fran probably opens minus one. Browns take money, probably closes a pick. Um, but yeah, it will depend. Um, that's a good game. Browns, that's, that's a yeah. good morning game. Shit, great, great game. Uh, it will depend on what. San Fran obviously does against Dallas, and then assuming yeah. Cleveland wins um, this week, because then you're not going to get another data point. But if Cleveland wins this week, San Francisco wins against Dallas. Yeah, that's the one either way. That's basically a coin flip. Okay, let's go. Uh, let's go game of the week. It's probably I, I said this on the pod yesterday. A team will never in the history of the league again give up seventy points, and then you're favored the next week. That'll never happen again in league history. You agree and you scores and the yeah and and the team that scored seventy points uh, is an underdog. <laughs> do, do you Pretty think? Funny, would you rather lose fifty to nothing or seventy to twenty? Because that's basically three more touchdowns on top. Um, I would say fifty to nothing because then you're always you're always going to be in the in like the graphic, like in thirty years from now when someone scores like. 68 points they'll say here are the three were you know highest uh scoring games in nfl history and your defense will live in infamy there so i'll say 50 nothing but uh it was I, I agree, the, ta I agree the tackling it was it was embarrassing it was embarrassing there was guys just uh, on on the ground just like not even dying it looked like they quit um well they did <laughs> it, it was embarrassing to me even though it's not technically the nfl record because it's 1966, it is. No one will ever yeah. forget that. That's of age and watches football. Like 70 is the new modern day record in everyone's mind. So like Sean Payton ain't shaking that for a while. Yeah, I think that they they should have kicked the field goal to set the record. I mean, what what is this like sportsmanship? Like, come on, uh, well, you could. I remember Steve, Steve Kerr did the same thing one time. Clay had sixty through three quarters. Like, let him try to get eighty, and he he, yeah. didn't, he didn't play him in the fourth quarter. It's like, come on, this is fun. It's sports. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, you score seventy, and uh, obviously you're playing one of the better teams in the league over the last three or four years. But 
you're an underdog, and it's a team that you beat last year, though that game was really weird. <laughs> and statistically, you know better than me. It wasn't in an outlier situation that a team with you know the difference in yardages and everything ever loses that game. The Bills did. Uh, what's your thoughts? I mean, the Bills minus two and a half. It feels like everyone's going to th- be on Miami this week. I would imagine they're taking a lot of public cash. Yeah, a ton of big public side this week. But yeah, I like the Bills here. This line, the look at line was minus three and a half. So now you're getting, you know, un, you're getting two and a half because of what Miami did. But what what, what is Buff, Buffalo the last two weeks has beat two teams 75 to 13. Like it's not like I mean, Buffalo is rolling. That offensive line is playing well, which is the big question coming into the year. And what Miami did was unbelievable. McDaniel's awesome. That offense is great. And they did it without Armstead and Waddle, by the way. But they did it. Their offense has exploded against the Chargers and the Broncos, who haven't been able to stop a nosebleed this year. I mean, Sam Howell put up 32 points in three quarters against the Broncos' defense to come back from 17 down. Sam Howell last week did nothing against this Bills' defense. He was sacked nine times, I think, uh, and they got absolutely uh, seal clubbed by Buffalo. And, you know, Buffalo... They're look the way that I look at this game, and by the way, they, when these two teams played late last year, Buffalo was a seven point home favorite. Now, this is a big overreaction, and now you're coming down across the three. And yeah, look, it's a week you never want to overreact to one thing that you see in the NFL. Miami's offense looked amazing last week, they rolled. But if you go back 30 years in the NFL, teams that went by more than 35 points the next week. They're 38% against the spread. So teams that look, oh, my God, they went by 35. Usually you might get a little overcorrection in the market, which I think we got here. And, you know, go back to the New, Eng- the New England game. New England kind of slowed down Miami enough to win that game. They just didn't have an offense, right? They would get in, uh, across the 50, and then, you know, Matt Jones and those receivers just couldn't make enough plays. But they had an opportunities to win that game, held Miami under 30. There's some things that McDermott can take from that. McDermott's own to a in the past and Buffalo look this is how I look at this game Buffalo has an elite offense Miami has an elite offense Buffalo has an elite defense Miami does not uh Miami's defense right now they're still trying to figure it out you know you're missing Ramsey Howard they're they're supposed to be their top corner I think he's a little past over the hill yeah uh, and past his prime not in the bedroom yeah (laughs) that, that defense isn't great um so I just think, and then look, the special teams. Miami special teams last year, by some ratings, were dead last in the NFL. This year, they've been bad as well. Buffalo last year, by some metrics, finished number one. So that, that could matter in a game that should, could be close. So I have the team playing at home with the better defense and the better special teams and in a matchup of two lead offenses. What I think that leads to is just Buffalo's D will get one or two more key stops in this game. Should be fun, but now that this line... You know, you can get a cheap three or two and a half. Uh, I think that you have to take Buffalo here and sell Miami uh, after what they did last week. Every two a highlight of them doing something sweet, there's no one around them. Yeah, no pressure. Denver gets no pressure. I mean, and they blitz. They blitz a ton. I don't know what uh, Vance Joseph is is doing. Uh, But, yeah, they get no pressure whatsoever. He was – if you look at the defense, like an advanced metric – of all all of the Denver defense, it's like pressure rate, hurries, knockdowns. It's ze- it's I'm the I've never even seen this. It's just zeros. It's just like the, no one showed up and did anything. Um, you hit Buffalo, you, you hit this guy. He uh, I, the 49er game last year. 
They came in. It was like, ah, oh, this is going to be a big game. And they just kept hitting them. They were blitzing them, and it threw them off. Even if, obviously, if he gets injured, it would throw Miami off. But if he's going to play and, and stay, you know, you got to hit him. Whether that's blitzing, obviously, like you said, Buffalo can just generate pressure with their front. Like, you hit this guy. I mean, there's a reason he took Taekwondo this offseason, tried to learn how to fall, because when he gets hit, he flies to the ground. He's not very big. So uh, that's got to be the key for all the big boys who are now – Miami's trying to act like they're in that category. We'll see. I mean, you know, beside the weather, which when you look at their schedule, they actually sneaky get to avoid. Like, if you're Buffalo, you would have loved to flip the two games. You would like them to come to you December. You would want to go to Miami right now. But regardless of the weather, like, hit Tua. And that's like, okay, we'll pepper you like a Mahomes or Josh Allen, and can you maintain this, you know, scoring 30 on us? We'll see, because I would bet no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Buffalo this year, one of four teams with a pressure rate of over 30%, and they have a bottom three blitz rate. So they, so they, they don't even need Sam to Howell. get pressure to blitz. Yeah, they, they pressured Sam Howell 58% of his dropbacks last week and finished with nine sacks and barely blitzed. A lot of that is, you know, how's also holding the ball too long, but they should be able to get pressure. And then the the Buffalo defense always under McDermott always does a tremendous job in preventing explosive plays. It helps to have two just savvy veteran safeties in Hyde and Poyer back there. So Miami's going to have to work it down the field. They're going to score. Offense is too good not to. But I think Buffalo will get a couple key stops here. And uh, Buffalo's offense should should cook down the field against this Miami defense. It's, Do you think it's if, not, if- not very good? If Miami loses this game, then that division's wide open, right? Buffalo has just as good a chance Miami to win it. If Miami does not win the division as a wild card and has to go to places like Kansas City or Buffalo, I mean, let's face it, I, I would not put them on that level. Now, if they are able to win the division and get home games against them, then I'd give them a chance. But they they are like to me, if Kansas City was, you know, had to go on the road, like if they're the four seed, I don't think they will be, but let's just hypothetically say I would be think nothing of it, right? Even Buffalo, yep. I, I do believe that they could go on the road with Josh Allen. Miami, I, at least until we see it, like I, I think they got to be the home team to have a chance come January, just because of the weather. I mean, historically, you, you follow trends. Like, aren't they oh and whatever and four, you know forty degree and below just as a franchise? Because you can't manipulate that when it's eighty seven degrees January third at practice. Yeah, yeah. The one, the one, the, you know, I would make an exception is if, if they were going on the road. In, you know, the NFC. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking Buffalo, indoors. Kansas City, yes, Cleveland. But all the all the places you're going to play are outdoors. And I see all the teams that you're going to face. You're outdoors in weather, so it's not like you're you're going on the road and getting to play like in New Orleans, right? Even though it's a hostile environment, you're going to fast track. Yeah, you're you're going in weather, and you don't have a great defense. So yeah, you want to be Miami's best shot. I agree. Is at home and winning in shootouts against the other top tier. AFC quarterbacks and offenses. Yeah, they are a fun story. And this game is, this is gets its own TV type game. I, I can't, oh, yeah. I can't wait. So, uh, thanks, Ducky. Uh, so you're going, you're going Cleveland money line, taking the Jags bright and early. In just, <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm watching much of this game. Jags versus Atlanta, and then uh, y- you're you're going with the smart guys taking Buffalo minus two and a half Miami. I, I, I'm going to go with Dallas. Minus six and a half against Belichick. And, you know, one and three start, Bill. <laughs> this is, it could get ugly in New England quick. So, uh, yeah, just like, one, just one like and York. three is you're, you, you're close to dead in the AFC. 
Okay, Stucky, have a good weekend. Enjoy college football, and then, like always, enjoy the, the National Football League. I will talk to you next week. Absolutely. I'll root your uh, Cowboys bet in. Let's go, boys, baby. The volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.